This is the Ezra podcast, and we're coming off a really well. I mean, we're not coming off a really slow week. We're coming off the slowest week possibly could have. I mean, there was no boxing this weekend. There was a fight in TJ that I don't think you can even see in the states. I know I didn't see it, and you know I don't. I don't like weekends like that. I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't like weekends like that. I don't like not doing breakdowns. Uh, I only did a live last week. Which I had fun doing. That was a. It was actually really good. And I, I went on. Uh, I went on my boy G Funky's uh, channel. I did one on his too as well, and I thought that was a really great time. Go check that out, G Funky uh, Boxing, on YouTube. Uh, make sure to subscribe and uh, uh, hit the like button on that one. But we're back this weekend. This weekend's big fights. I wanted to get it right away. I wanted to get it in, get it in on Sunday. Now, am I doing this a day early because the Rams play San Francisco on Monday night? Maybe. Possibly, probably, yeah. I mean, but also, I gotta get ahead of the game here. I gotta get these out so I can uh, clip apart uh, the previous ones and put them on TikTok so I can get more viewership to get more eyes. I'm just trying to get, I'm trying to get it out there now. I'm trying to get all my opinions and everything. I have a backlog of stuff. Send it out there. Let people see. Right? We're growing little by little, and it really does feel good to do breakdowns. Breakdowns were like where my heart is. I love the lives; they're fun, but the breakdowns. Uh, kind of get uh, being able to watch the fights and predict how they're going to go and how the results are going to go and what things a one fighter could do to really help himself. I, I really love that. That's that's really what my passion is on doing these podcasts and all that. So I'm really glad to be back doing a breakdown. And we got a good one. We got two interesting cards this weekend. One fight that I think feels really big, feels really, really big. And let's get to that one first. That is Eubank Jr. versus Connor Ben. In a fight that is out of catch weight. In a fight that has a re- rehydration clause. In a matchup that probably people didn't think was possible just because of the weight class difference. Now you got Connor Ben coming up from 147, and you have uh Eubank coming down from 160. And I believe they're meeting at 156 pounds. It's 156, 157. And the question is really, is who is that going to affect more? I think is the main question, right? Is it going to affect Chris Eubank coming down, right? In a way, because he's never fought before. We've never seen him do that. He's actually fought at 167. He's actually one higher than the weight class is coming from. Or is it going to affect Conor Ben being the smaller man going up? And you have examples of like, um, Amir Khan versus Canelo, Delahoy versus Hopkins. Brooks versus Triple G, and uh, they're, they're, those ones are not any successes of doing it, right? And so you would think, okay, well, you've seen those fights, you have those examples, so you should know how this one's going to end. And I don't, I, I don't think that that does it either. I think because you got to remember, first of all, Hubank, he isn't Canelo, he isn't Triple G, and I think that Conor Ben. Is more durable than the names I listed, besides Delahoy, of course. But he, he's he's a durable fighter. Also, we got to see is with him with Conor Ben. It's like I think people will have a hard time placing where Conor Ben is. Right, is a prospect? Is he a contender? How good of a contender do we imagine he'd be? How how far do we imagine he goes with his career? And people have a hard time, and I don't think people won't really want to take him seriously because he wasn't a guy that to be taken seriously in his career because he just thought that he was 
uh, a fighter of a fame, uh, a son of a famous fighter who got uh, is going to get opportunities just because of the name. And the same similar situation with Eubank Jr., right? And I think people still kind of see Eubank as that. But I think Ben's kind of shaking that. He's kind of shaking the, you know, the name, and now he's just kind of become his own man in boxing, but now people don't know where to place him. I think a lot of it's going to have to do with how real is his power. If his power is a real deal, and it looks to be the real deal, it's passing a lot of tests, right? And as, as the competition is getting stiffer, the knockouts are staying there and are actually coming earlier. So if the power is a real deal, well, then he's going to be a real fighter, and he's going to be a real problem at 147. Now, Chris Eubank, who has really yet to been to be taken serious in boxing or as a contender or as a, a, a title a, a challenger for a title. But if you look at like his wins like against uh Liam Smith and James DeGal, I mean those are those are respectable wins. And the thing I'm having a hard time with is is Eubank Jr. right now a notable win. I'm sorry, Liam Williams, not Liam Smith. Liam Williams is Chris Eubank right now a notable win for a person that fights him. If Demetrius Andrade fought Eubank Jr., would he be a notable win? If if Charlo fought Eubank Jr., would he be a notable win? And if Connor Ben beats Eubank Jr., is he a notable win for him? Now, to me, it doesn't differ whether whoever fights him, he's a notable win or he isn't. It's not going to be like, oh, this guy fought him, he's a notable win for him, but not for this guy. No, that's not the way. I don't play it like that. Okay, there's no, I don't judge on the curve. Everything is right across the board. But it's tough for Eubank Jr. to know if he's a notable win. It's tough to make that determination on him. I think that he's borderline is a notable win. And if he's a notable win and he has some decent wins and he's kind of proven that he's like a contender, I think you got to stop looking at him like he's just a guy with a famous with a famous father. He, I don't, I think both these guys are getting are getting past that. I think Eubank Jr. is past that, honestly, and I think Hunter Ben is on the verge of being past that. I think that he is going to have some legit wins if he can get past this fight. Now, what is this fight going to look like? It, I think I we all know what Connor Ben's going to look like in this fight. I think the one that you don't really know is Eubank Jr. What is he going to look like in this fight? Because Eubank Jr. has had two different styles. Now, the one recently is really just mimicking doing an impression of Roy Jones Jr. Now, we don't even know if Roy Jones is training him for this fight. We don't. Everything's been kind of under wraps here. But if he's training Roy, then you have to imagine he's going to have the Roy Jones style. And he's going to look to move around the ring. He's going to look to explode with counters, leap in with shots, be a lot of flash. But if he goes back to, you know, what Eubank was doing before that, he was still Roy Jones when he just started Roy Jones, right? He was aggressive. He's actually a lot like Connor Ben, where he put everything on his shots. He was coming forward. He was looking to put combinations together, and he was looking to put it on now, if we get that Eubank, and maybe that we do get that Eubank, because maybe Eubank will be like, hey, he's a smaller man. I'm burning a lot of I'm gonna might not have a lot of energy later in this fight because I'm coming down in weight and I might not have it going. You know, it might uh my energy might take a huge dip in the second half of this fight. I need to put my power and my strength on him early. And we get the old Eubank Jr. on this fight. I mean, you're gonna get a war. You're gonna get an all-out war because Connor Ben, like I said, we know what he's doing. He's gonna come forward, he's gonna look to land the left hook, he's gonna look to land the straight right. He's gonna look to power jab his way in. 
Well, if Eubank comes in the way he does, and he comes in with his leaping left hook, and he comes in with his, and he sits in there and looks to land his uppercuts and left hooks, well, you, like I said, it's going to be all out, and there's going to be some t- chins tested, because the thing with Connor Ben too is his head never really moves off the line, and he's not a guy that can transition offensive defense very well. Now he could transition some of his defense to offense, but he can't transition his offense to defense. When he's going offense, his his head's gonna stay right where it is. He could get countered with the left hook very easily, and he kind of does often. And he really hasn't fought anyone that could really test his chin, right? You see him get hit by Van Heerden, you see him get hit by Algieri, you see him get hit by um Vargas. Those aren't guys that are really, you know, the power to really figure out if that chin could hold up and make him pay for those mistakes that he's making. But Eubank is going to be able to do it, especially because he's the bigger man. So I do imagine that both guys get their chin tested this weekend. I do imagine maybe both guys are even hurt in this fight. Whether Eubank fights the come forward style or the counterpunching style, because he can still get a lot of power in his left hook with the with his counterpunching style. I think it's really going to depend on who's training Eubank, what's the mentality, but I do think they're going to look to test Ben early. I think you're going to see an aggressive style for Eubank Jr. And if you do, like I said, both guys will trade. Both guys will land. With that come forward style for Eubank, his defense kind of goes out the way, goes out the window. For Ben, his defense will always be there when he's looking to uh, specifically to use his head movement and use his guard because he does have decent head movement when he's thinking of using it right when he's set on using it but when he's set in his offense his, his defense is, is really no good and he will be countered in that situation first two rounds could be an all-out war in this fight i mean just back and forth let bombs landing the part where i think the weight uh really matters is in the second half of this fight. And I think that even Eubank in either style, all out action, right? Him going forward, looking to put it on uh Ben. I think the weight's gonna be a factor and he'll 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 dip in energy. But even if he does his Roy Jones impersonation, right? And the thing is when you do an impersonation of someone or you do a impersonation of a style that you're not really comfortable with, it's not really your natural style, it takes a lot of energy out of you. And maybe you can do it when you're 100%, right? When you have full health and you're, you're not fatigued and you're not uh, dipping energy, you can do it. But when the energy dips, it's not a natural thing to do, right? So it's not something that you're used to surviving with. It's not something that you know the tricks to. It's something that you're really having to think about. And when that happens, it really starts declining. And you notice that you've seen it in the uh, Liam Williams fight, that it really, really started to decline in the second half of that fight. And then he really started getting off balance. And when he would miss, he missed really big. He almost do a full spin. And it wasn't coming as, as sharp. And his legs just moving around the ring because it's not really great leg movement. It's just leg movement. It's just athletic leg movement. I'm just going to circle around the ring. And I think I could, uh, I think my foot, feet are faster than yours, right? You can't cut it off because I'm going to move faster than you. That's a lot of energy. So even with that style and the cutting weight, I think it would be a huge dip. Now, I think Conor Ben's going to feel really comfortable in this fight. I think he's going to be coming forward. And I don't really see huge energy dips from Conor Ben. Now, unless Eubank can really hurt him early and take some of his energy out of him that way, I expect Conor Ben to still come forward. I think that in the second half of this fight, you'll see a lot of Eubank holding one shot at a time by Eubank. 
but I think that the effective combinations, the effective work, the effective jab, the effective overhand right will be from Connor Ben. I'm going to pick Connor Ben to stop Chris Eubank Jr. in the ninth round. I think the weight will play uh, an effect on this fight. And two ways for Eubank. I think his size is going to be very useful early. I think he will hurt Conor Ben early. But then I think the cutting and weight will be will affect him late. And I think he gets stopped. Runs out of energy. And Conor Ben gets the biggest win of his career. Now, I know a lot of people thinking of this fight, right? Think, what's the point of it? There's no point of this fight. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't help either of their careers. I, I disagree with you 100%. 100%. And honestly, if, if you feel that way about this fight, I really feel like you haven't caught up with the times of boxing. And I want that to stop now. I want you to think about this. Because you got to look at boxing. You got to stop looking at boxing with the belts that are meaning less and less every day. You got to stop looking at boxing with these rankings that could easily be adjusted. Easily be adjusted week to week. I mean, a guy could not even fight. He could be ranked 12th. And come in number two in another week. No fight in between. Stop looking at it like that. You're playing yourself the sucker. You're being the mark. Don't be the mark. Whoever wins this fight. And this is a big fight. Don't fool yourself. This is a big fight. Whoever wins this fight. Has more drawing power. Has more attention. Has more star power. With that, I know you say, oh, you know, Conor Ben should fight someone at 147 pounds. It's ranked. What, who, Butev? Uh, Jamal James? Stanley Onis? That wouldn't do anything for him besides move him up the rankings in one or two spots. This is going to give him power in boxing. This is going to make him a star. And once he has that, all those other things will open up for him. Title shot opportunities, rankings. He's A side. He'll bring in, he'll be able to um, strong arm some opponents. He'll even have some leverage now, negotiations. If Eubank wins, right, in a noteworthy fight, he gets to go back to his promoter. He can go fight Janet Beck, be the A side. He can go, go fight Andrade, be the A side. Go fight uh, Golovkin, right? I don't know if he it wouldn't be the A side now, but he'll go fight Golovkin. Right. Opportunities are going to open up. The Charlo fight is very interesting now, right? He's got, he's got, which he has more star power than he did before. Because they were talking about him fighting Charlo before this fight, before all this, right? The people still thought he was a joke. Now, if he wins this fight, a fight people are interested in, and people start looking at his resume, he start, start becoming more credible. Don't be a mark. Okay. Don't be a mark. Don't say, oh, they should have fought this guy and everything. And you know that's not as big a fight as this. You know that that's not going to raise the star power. Star power is above everything. Don't lie to yourself. Star power is above everything in boxing. Everything. It's above it. And if Conor Ben wins this fight, he's going to have a lot of power. He's going to be in a great position at 147 pounds. And if Eubank wins this fight, he's going to be in a great position. Whoever leaves this fight is going to leave, be in a great position. Hell, if it's a good enough fight and it goes to decision and someone's not really badly hurt in it, then they both leave in a good position. 
don't do this thing where you just look at the rankings like, oh, sure about this guy. Think with along the I someone I don't know remember who said it, but someone said, oh, you know, I don't know why you guys care about the business. Uh, just when the fights made, the fights made. It's impossible to follow the sport of boxing unless you know the business side of it. At least some understanding of it. You cannot follow the sport and say you truly follow the sport and you truly understand what's going on. I'm not I'm talking outside the ring and why matchups are made and all these things unless you know the business side of it. But I don't like the where we're gonna play uh make believe that Stanley Onus is a better fight for Connor Ben. Let's not play make believe. Okay, let's not play make believe. If Butev would have beat Stanley Onus and Connor Ben beats Eubank, who's in a better position? In reality, who's in the better position? Don't play make believe. Don't play this thing that the boxing's telling you these are the rules. Boxing makes up the rules as they go. They change them all the time. On the undercard, I think the most interesting fight is Galau Yafai versus Gohan Rodriguez. Now, Matchroom's history of bringing an opponent from Mexico for one of their guys to look good, you know, it's kind of legendary as that they're not that great at it. Now, Gal Yafai, who is a, um Olympic gold medalist, uh, in his late 20s at 110 pounds, sorry, 112 pounds, looking to, you know, fast track to a title shot, fast track to the top of the line, right? And they're looking to bring him along. Now, Gohan Rodriguez has no power. He doesn't. He has one stoppage, and it's against, you know, these are fights in Mexico, right? So, like, really, the competition probably isn't the greatest. He really should have more stoppages than that if he has any sort of power. He doesn't have any power, but he does have skills. He can box. Now, he's not going to have the physical advantages in this fight at all. But if he can get in his rhythm, if he can find his distance, he can find his timing, he could be a problem for your fight. He's not a guy that is unfamiliar in the ring. He's not a guy that doesn't bring anything to the table. No, he's going to bring something to the table. He's going to look to box this fight. And your fight who likes to come forward, apply pressure, uh, throw high quality, uh, quantity of shots, He's going to look to find Gohan, and Gohan is going to have to out- outbox him. He's going to have to out- outsmart him. It's going to be a southpaw versus orthodox. Now, like I said, Gohan doesn't have great physical advantages in the fight. He's not fast as feet, fast as hands, or any of those things. He just got good technique. He understands how to box. He understands what he's trying to do in there. Now, I think your fight's going to be too much for him. But the point is, is what point is going to be too much for him? What difficulties are you going to have finding him? Will the boxing be uh, a problem for him? Will cutting off the ring be a problem for him? Will you, what if Gohan gets in a rhythm? What if Yafai, who is still trying to figure out his pro style, looks a little sluggish in there, looks a little frustrated? It's a very interesting matchup. I th- I'm going to take Yafai in this fight. I'm going to take him a decision. But I think that Gohan is going to um, put up a respectable performance. I really do. I think that's going to be an interesting fight. And that's maybe the, you know, match room will live up to their, you know, the reputation of picking a guy that's just a little too tough from Mexico, and he ups up, upsets the apple card. Now, the other card we have this weekend is the return of Sebastian Fendor. And he fights Carlos Ocampo. And if you look up any Carlos Ocampo fight on YouTube, well, like in the, within the last two or three years, the first thing they're going to say in the first round 
is Carlos Ocampo best opponent is Earl Spence, and Earl Spence got him out of there in a round. Now, since then, Ocampo, they've done a good job building back up. I believe he has around eight to nine wins since then. Now, none of them great opponents, but not exactly taxi cab drivers as well. He has a fight in Canada that I thought was very interesting. His style is very interesting. Even the way he lost to Earl Spence is very interesting. Because he says he just caught me cold. Now, when you get caught cold, it's usually to the it's to the chin, right? He got caught cold to the body. Spence also fights in a style that Ocampo wouldn't be really too comfortable with because Ocampo likes to pick his shots at the mid-range. Fedora fights in a style that Ocampo probably is not going to be comfortable with. Now, Ocampo definitely has some power. He could get a lot of he could get good power from not putting a lot behind his shots. He wants to work at his own pace, wants to work at his own rate, wants to work at his own range. Now, Fedora, who's coming off a really, 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 really tough fight against Lupin, which is either, you know, like top three for fight of the year. Who knows how much damage that we, we all think of Lupin in that fight. But you got to remember that Fedora was in that fight, too, and he was taking damage and he was hurt at one point. Who knows what the result, the after results of that, and in the same year of that fight, who knows how he looks? Maybe he's a little bit slower. Maybe he can't take the shots as well. And with Compo, with you know, his style, it's gonna be very interesting if if it's the same thing over and over again. It's the same thing again as Earl Spence, where someone just forces the issue on him and forces a style that he doesn't want, and he folds. Again. But it's curious to see if he can keep it mid-range. And maybe Sebastian Fandora ends up in a fight like he did with Sergio Garcia, where he tried to fight at long range. He tried to show another aspect of his game. And I thought that he was could have lost that fight. Could've, I thought it was very, very close. I don't think he wants to be able to we'll do that with a guy like Ocampo, who actually has some power. Not like Garcia who doesn't have any power at all. Ocampo could make you pay if you end up like that. So Fedora needs to get on him. Fedora needs to go back and stick to his style of getting on someone, putting pressure, putting a lot of shots on them, and just breaking their will. Now, Ocampo could break your will if you've let him in the mid-range and fight his own pace. I think it's a very interesting matchup. I think Ocampo gets swallowed up in this fight. I think that that will always be his problem is that when someone forces him to fight at a pace that he doesn't want to fight, at a range he doesn't want to fight, he will fall apart. But he is a good size 154. He has some decent power. He's got some skills. And there's some interesting things to his story where if he won this fight, he would have worked his way back from a first-round stop as Earl Spence when Earl Spence was on his way up. And he would put himself in really a position that a lot, a lot of guys who lose fights like that put themselves in. When you're not a name at all. Like when Lubin lost to uh, Charlo, Lubin was a name though. Like there were people who were really generally excited for him. He was a top prospect they were bringing up. Ocampo was just an opponent at that time. And if he could work himself up from that loss 
to beating Fundora, right? To get another great opportunity and beating Fundora and put himself in position for like a Charlo or maybe even a Spence again. Like that, that's what I'm saying. It's very rare in boxing. You can see this in MMA, right? But in boxing, not often do you see a guy work his way himself, himself back to this position like this. Ocampo has that opportunity. I don't think there's any chance that this isn't at least a, you know, a lot a action fight, right? As far as like either Fondor's putting it on them or even at the mid range of Compo putting it on them and they trade shots from that range. I think that this is not, there's no chance this is a boring fight. I really don't believe that. I just think that it could be really kind of one sided for Fondora if he just really gets going and has no wear and tear from the last fight and it's just able to put him on, put it on a Compo and fight, uh, let, make him fight a pace and everything that he does not want to. I'm going to take Sebastian Fondora in this fight. I'll take him a decision. I think Ocampo will be able to land a shot here and there that you know that will look big, will have some effect, but nothing to really build on. I think for Fondora, who's going to apply the pressure, I think he learned from the Garcia fight that you just got to do what works, and that's what works for him is the pressure, all-out action, a lot of punches, um, and just look to break down your opponent. I think he does break down a combo, maybe not for the stoppage, but he breaks him down for a combo having the will to try to win this fight. On the undercard, you have a very interesting fight. Carlos Adamas versus Juan Manciel. And Montiel, uh, if you don't remember, fought Jamal Charlo. In a fight that Jamal was, you know, just kind of like stay busy and end up being in a, a pretty competitive fight. Now, I think people kind of overrate how close Montiel was in that fight. I don't think it was that close, but it was competitive. He had moments in it. Now, Adamas, who was on top rank and they were trying to bring him along, and then he ends up losing to Texera uh, for the belt. And, you know, he kind of like, you don't know what's going to happen from, from to him after from that point. Then the PVC brings him over. They rebuild him. He gets a decent win over Dervinchenko, his last fight. And he, he looks to fix his, you know, Looks to fix the problems of his failing gas tank, but also to be a more disciplined boxer, to use his natural physical gifts, but with technique and with a strategy. And that's what he looks to do in this fight against Montiel. Because if he goes back to the Carlos Adamas before, where he's just kind of using his physical ability, but just looking to outpower someone or just apply, uh, um, looks to just, you know, like, Blow someone out, out the uh, out the water, I guess. That'll be exactly what Montiel wants. Like, Montiel would be up for that type of fight. Montiel is just a come-forward guy with a few tricks, but he's just come-forward, heavy pressure, uses size and strength to get you out of there, right? To, to eventually break you. I think Adam is, in his new style, is perfect to for a guy like Montiel. To, I mean, Montiel's perfect for his style, and I think Adama's going to outbox Montiel. I think he, the, it, with his style that he could preserve energy, and he's not going to fall apart in the second half of the fight like he's done before. And I think that Montiel's going to come up short in this fight. I think he's going to come up missing. I think Montiel is getting a little bit overrated just because of the Jamal Charlo fight, just because he knocked out Kirkland, who was washed at that point. But you have to remember the Centennial fight, which was a draw. You have to remember the Mangia fight. And he just was never really at that level. But he had a performance that got people excited. They didn't just go from that fight to, you know, this fight. They had a fight in between that. So they feel good. he's in a good spot. 
maybe he can maybe that performance was him, right? Maybe that performance was him, but I do when I did watch it over again, Jamal Charlo was really just sitting flat footed in that fight. He wasn't giving any movement. He was looking to counter, he was looking to make one Montiel pay. And a lot of times when you can land on a guy like Montiel, you get greedy because it just feels good to land on him. It feels like you get him out of there. He's a very durable opponent. Adamus has to stay disciplined in this fight. He has to box. He has to move around the ring. And he has to pick his shots. He's got to be comfortable taking a decision. Maybe even a boring fight. But he's got to be comfortable doing that. That's what a professional is going to do. This is where Adamus wants to prove he's at that level. And if he could win this fight more convincing than Charlo did, who Charlo needs an opponent, he puts himself in a pretty good spot. Especially, you know, you don't know what's going to happen to all these houses and they might all get vacated. So, very important fight in the middleweight division and very important fight for Carlos Adamus. Uh, very important fight for Monteo, who who knows how many opportunities he'll get beyond this point, but this is a chance for him to really improve and grow on and get the keep the ball rolling from what happened in the Charlo fight, which earned him a lot of uh, respect and, you know, a kind of credibility in the weight class. You also have Fernando Martinez versus Herwin on Ancaes in a rematch that Fernando Martinez won. I think that's a very interesting fight. Um, I kind of leaning towards Fernando Martinez. I didn't uh, fully break it down, but Ancaes, you know, might be showing a little bit of like, you know, just not being in the top of his game anymore. And Martinez, who was still hungry, uh, took it from him last fight. I think he's going to take it from him this fight. Uh, Again, but it's still a very interesting matchup, very interesting card. And also on this card, you have Mean Machine making his move to the PBC versus Mikhail Fox. And um, Mikhail, if you remember, was robbed uh, in his last performance, which was clearly robbed against uh, Maestre. And this is when they found out that one of the judges had posted racist stuff, and Mikhail Fox is black, and that she was posting like anti, um, you know, uh, just racist posts against black people in on her Instagram. And there was a lot of things about that decision that's just, you know, it was obvious. It's clear as day that he was robbed. I'm, I think everyone on boxing Twitter is happy to see Mikhail, uh Fox finally get another shot at it, right, when he was done wrong. And I think against Mean Machine's an, an excellent fight, excellent matchmaking. And I'm very curious to see Mean Machine who, you know, on the PBC side against uh, a lot of the guys they have, I think would be very interesting because I do think that he's had two good showings against Terrence Crawford and Virgil Ortiz, and he came out short in that, but I don't think there's anything wrong with coming out short against those guys. I'm curious against, like, PBC's mid-level guys, how he would do. I think he's a very interesting guy, uh, has some ability and has some power. If my, Mikhail Fox can pull this off, that'd be, uh, to me, in my opinion, two pretty good wins in a row because the last one he got robbed and then Mean Machine to get his career uh, really going again. I think it's a really good weekend of boxing. Very interesting. Can't wait to do the post-fight breakdown. And when we talk, and uh, I'll do a live uh, later this week so we can, uh, you know, keep the conversation going. And we'll talk about all the news that breaks this week, which will probably be plenty. Always something to talk about boxing. Thank you guys for listening. Look behind me for everywhere you can find me. And uh, I don't know. I got to get to sleep. Peace.